literally are recording. We're live, yeah, so you're on camera. Yeah. Have you ever wondered what the perspective would be from somebody who has experienced homelessness but also gotten out and seen success afterward? Well, today we have that story. My friend Gallo here has uh, experienced homelessness in his past and is going to share his story with us. And he's also a good friend of mine, and he's going to be part of the team as time goes on. So welcome, Gaio. Nate, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, it's this has been a long time coming. Almost a well, nine months. It's almost like a baby because uh, <laughs> we, we we met up with each other summer-ish last year. I uh, have my own podcast. It's, it's not even related to this. Just uh, we used to work together and... You know, seeing what he was doing, it took me a while even just to get a hold of him because he was already getting popular. He was getting big, and the funny thing is, I had him saved on my phone, but not as Nate, cool cat from this place we used to work at. And finally got a hold of him. We had lunch, started shooting the breeze, and uh, catching up on ideas and what he wants to do and how I wanted to help. And now we finally have the chance to sit down and do that. So I appreciate the offer. I appreciate the opportunity, Nate. Thanks. Yeah, no worries, man. And and thank you because all of this setup and everything that's going on here it's mostly been this guy and his guidance. So he's really helping the Just Nate podcast get off the ground. And um, thanks, man. I wouldn't be able to do it without you, honestly. Oh, yeah. Not to this level. No, I mean, I, I, I appreciate it. And, and not just me. Everybody does. You're part of the team, man. Um, so... Yeah, dude, I know you've had a lot of time to think about this because it's been how many years since, you know, you were outside? Uh, more than 10 because my memory's a little fuzzy. So I've I've had uh, several motorcycle accidents, I've, but uh, I kind of have more of a feel of when things happen. So at least 10 years. I know it was after I got divorced. Uh, so between 2010 and 2012 was when I was outside. And just to, uh, you know, preface you guys, uh it, we're going to refer to a lot of live, being inside or outside. And that's a term that, that is used widely by homeless people. And really, you know, they look at us as inside people, people who live inside and they live outside. So, you know, just to give you something there. So what was it like, you know, and, and how did it happen? What made it happen? <laughs> uh, what made it happen was... Short version is my intercourse addiction, being a sex addict. Uh, I was a cheater with my first wife, and I thought that, you know, that's just me being a man. My my value as a human, my value as a man, wasn't anything I did other than how many women I've been with. Uh, being able to, to brag or boast about that was kind of my, uh, how I saw my value. And uh, my wife got tired of that, kicked me out. We got divorced, and in the divorce decree, she was supposed to pay off my truck. The agreement was she gets to keep the house, but she's going to pay off my truck. And I kept on top of that for a couple of months, like making sure she paid it and checking and checking. And eventually I saw that she was paying on it, so I figured, okay, you know, she's going to be good. I don't have to check it on anymore. And I had an opportunity to go work down in the uh, uh, Texas-Mexico border down in the valley, uh, as it's called there. So the Rio Grande Valley is made up of a bunch of little towns. So the U.S. highway system, every exit is roughly a mile apart. So exit 34 is 34 miles from uh, the state line, from where that interstate begins. So uh, the towns, it's kind of funny the way the mindset is down in the Rio Grande Valley. The Most of the locals have very uh, cliquish, standoffish type point of view to people in general. Uh, 
I'd go down there when I was working, I'd visit and say, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm here from out of town from Houston. Where's a good place to go eat? What's a good place to go do this, that, or the other. And oftentimes the reaction I was get, Oh, you think you're too good to, to hang out or do anything? I was like, I don't think anything. I just want to find a place to eat, go to bar, whatever. So that's part of the mentality. Another thing is the towns are, you know, like about a mile apart and, uh, you know, there's a town, a town with the lows, a town with nothing, a town with Home Depot and another town. So five cities, right? Mile apart each, five miles apart. If someone lives on this side of the Home Depot, they'll go to Home Depot. They will not go to Lowe's because Lowe's is too far. That's that's a four mile drive. That's, that's too far. So that's, again, that's kind of the mentality of the closed offishness, the clickishness. It's kind of down there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, while I was down there and working, uh, I had a per diem and I was staying in a hotel room and my truck got stolen. I'm like, shit, what am I going to do? How am I going to get to work? You know, a lot of my tools were in there. And were you living in the truck at that point? No, 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 no. At that, at that point, I was already, no, I, I never lived in the truck. So I, I went basically straight to homelessness of being outside. Uh, what caused that was the truck wasn't paid on. The wife, ex-wife didn't pay on the truck, uh, went into default, got repoed, and I thought it was stolen. So I made a police report, got arrested when they, because they were able to check real quick. Hey, they checked the VIN number, the license plate, find out that it's been towed. And so they thought I was trying to do an insurance scam. So I got arrested for that, had to deal with that for a couple of days. And of course, by the time I got let out, I uh, lost my job, but I still had the hotel room that was paid up for like the following week because i the type of person like to pay my bills ahead of time. Yes. So I all the money I got or what I get paid, I had that hotel room for like three weeks in advance that was paid off. So by the time I was out, I had almost a week left. Uh, I go back to the hotel room, trying to figure out what I'm going to do. No job, no car, no tools. Uh, I call the job and they say, yeah, you know, you can come to work, but you know, you need your tools, no tools, no job. Right. And I thought, well, what if I work as a helper? It's like, yeah, well, we can get you on as a helper with no tools, but uh, you're you're not going to get per diem because helpers don't get per diem because the helpers were hired locally. So, you know, that was just kind of like, well, shit, I'm just going to be working to have a place to live. And at the time, my mindset was like, no, like this is this hotel room is crap. Like, I don't want to stay in this hotel room or work just to be able to stay in this hotel room. I want to work to be able to have money to go do things and whatnot. Just kind of wallowing in the situation I was in that I'm uh, jobless, no vehicle. Nothing, essentially. The the kind of the story or the horror story you hear about guys that get divorced and just end up with nothing at the end, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I hear that a lot out there, man. I yeah. really do. I blew off uh, the, the notice from the hotel management of me trying to get out and leave. So I just kind of stayed in the room. And uh, I think I put it off for an extra two or three days. So I should have been kicked out, say, Friday or Saturday. And I pushed it off till a couple of days later. They got the sheriff's involved, got me evicted or kicked out. And so there I was on the street trying to figure out, now what? What do I do now? Because I wasn't being proactive. I was just being reactive to everything that was going on. Yeah. And uh, I still had some cash in my pocket, a um, couple of bucks, maybe like five or six bucks cash. I still had my wallet. And fortunately at the time, uh, Chase Bank had started offering a thing where you can deposit cash. So again, this is back in 2010. So 10-ish years ago, we're talking about smartphones are still kind of new, um, you know, it, it, different time, right? So there's no social media. If I even wanted someone to send me money, 
Uh, they'd either have to do a wire transfer from bank to bank, which you have to go to the bank and do that kind of thing, or I might have been able to get someone to send me a PayPal. But PayPal back then was still set up where you had to log in through your email, log into the website, and you know transfer it over to your bank, which is still a couple of days to transfer it over. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I didn't have a smartphone. So you know what we take for granted now that we can do anything on our phones – Back then, it was just basically a Nokia that I had. So there's no, actually, it was a Nextel. Sorry, it was a Nextel that I had. So there was no way for me to actually log on and do any transfers or do anything for money, even if I was had thought to ask for money. Because I've, I've heard that a lot where people, well, why don't you ask someone to send you money? It's like, that's a modern problem. This was 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of things that just kind of I didn't think of doing. Uh, one of them was asking for help. That was the biggest one because I was still too prideful to ask for help. Uh, and so there I am just kind of walking around, wandering the streets, not asking for money, not panhandling, not flying a sign yet, because I was just still kind of in shock trying to figure out what am I going to do? Where'd you sleep the first night? It was behind a building. I can picture it. It wasn't a hotel. It was kind of like a little shopping strip, uh, where a, um, streetlight was, was out. So it was kind of like a row behind a, uh, a shopping center and there was like two street lights that were out, but they weren't next to each other. So I just picked the darker one and went to sleep because at the time I was still used to being inside. So I was used to having a dark room to sleep and a street light, you know, it feels like you're still in daylight. So, yeah. you know, it, it was just trying to find the most comfortable thing that was most resembling to being inside in a dark room to be able to sleep. And did, what did you have with you? Did you have a blanket? No, I just had some clothes. And this is also kind of like in the middle of summer down down there. So it's... It's warm. Yeah, yeah it's warm enough. It's not chilly. It's cool from time to time. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's just hot. I guess you were fortunate about that. That's the time of year it was. Well, even in Texas, like most of the year in Texas, it's is warm. Of course, here in Reno, for us, cold is cold. The coldest it gets, at least where I'm used to in Houston, there's probably five to seven non-consecutive days that hit below 30. Okay. So... And that's like, oh my God, it's freezing, it's cold, but... Uh, it doesn't typically last. Usually it stays 40s, 50s for the lows and gets up into the 60s in winter. Um, but like low 60s, high 50s. So it's not super cold in the winter. It's just cooler than what we're used to. Uh, but so in the valley, it's even warmer. Um, I don't remember what the temperatures were, but it was still kind of hot. Middle of summer, middle of spring. I forget the time of year. Uh, so that first night sleeping outside and couldn't get comfortable because I'm sleeping on concrete. So I'm, I'm still used to being inside, still used to the things I'm supposed to have as, as a person, as a human living indoors. And I might've slept two hours at night just cause yeah. so uncomfortable. And I'd hear a noise and just jump up because I'm not used to hearing stuff outside. Right. Uh, I think that third day I was finally getting hungry. And that's when I flew a sign. And that for me was like the biggest point of my pride. Like as a man having to finally say, you know what? I need to ask for help. And there I was for probably an hour first trying to figure out what to write down. And like, oh shit, I need to get cardboard to write something down. And then trying to find the Sharpie. And fortunately, I still uh, didn't smell bad enough or, you know, because outside for a couple of days, but I wasn't uh, ripe. I was just kind of, you know, a little funky. So I was able to go inside grocery stores, get some stuff, or convenience stores. Uh, got a Sharpie, made a sign. And it wasn't clever. It was just like, uh, need help getting back to Houston or need money to get back to Houston, something like that. Just remember Houston was in it. And didn't get a lot of response from that because 
that closed-mindedness. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I remember, you know, before I was outside, the way I would treat most other homeless people, because it's kind of the same thing that most people do. You know, the average person just like, oh, God, get away from me. Uh, ooh, you know, another one of them. Uh, and, you know, well, shit, what should I write down to get, uh, try to get some money? But getting to that point to actually write something down on that cardboard was the biggest stab kind of like in my heart, in my, in my chest and my pride and my manhood, like everything that I valued in myself, that I saw myself as a person. Now I'm less than because I have to ask for help. So did you have to rewrite the sign to like, did you, did you try a couple different versions of that? I went from need help getting home to Houston, bus ticket to Houston, uh, I know the first two's had something about Houston in it. The third one, I don't remember what it was, trying to be funny, nothing. And uh, money or food was what I finally settled on. And it wasn't even money. It was like dollar signs or food. And I uh, just had that. And it was it was tough for me that first day holding that sign. Or actually the first day that I finally had that sign. I think it was a fourth day from when I was out and you're starving at this point, right? I, I was because that, that first day I was able to, you know, use that, the couple of bucks that I had to get some some snacks, candy, whatever. Did you find water? Uh, as an electrician, you got to work with other trades. I have what's uh, what's it called? It's a, it's a four-way key. And it's one of those, uh, it's a looks like a little cross or a plus sign. And that is able to open up water for um, a commercial buildings. So they don't have the little handle on it it just has like a little hole that's usually either a square or a triangle shape inside of it so you had that key that could get you water from commercial buildings and stuff so i was able to get water i was able to uh drink water throughout the day able to like splash water on my face because i'm kind of just roasting in the sun and whatnot um and i still had some clothes i had like a wasn't it was a duffel bag but it was kind of like a military style like a sling type duffel so I had that with me, and I forgot when it got stolen. But it got stolen when I was sleeping because I didn't know that I needed to like lay on top of my stuff to keep people from just grabbing my shit. And I got woke, and the reason I realized it got stolen is because somebody was trying to take off my shoes while I was asleep. So and while you were sleeping, someone tried to steal your shoes yeah. off of your feet. And, and it took me a while to realize what was going on, so they took off running. Were they nice shoes? No, it was the boots. Because they were, they'd loosened it up, but they couldn't get it under my heel. Okay. I was going to say, if they were boots, man, that would have to be really hard. Because I can picture it that I was trying to get up after them once I realized, but that my shoelaces weren't tied and I was like tripping over them and just, just remembered, okay, you know what? Just need to tie them a little tighter. When I came back to where I was at, then I realized I don't have my backpack anymore. So I just had the clothes I was with. And this is probably about full week out outside um, getting money. And some days I'd get six or seven bucks, just enough to, to grab something to eat. Yeah, and back then you could get a meal with yeah, six, bucks. Five, six bucks. Well, we're not talking about the value menu or the kids' meal. We're talking, you know, uh, Whopper meal or Mickey D's meal, whatever, just a full. Yeah, yeah just a full meal, you know, adult-sized meal. Just flying the sign, getting a little money here and there between five and 60 bucks. I think my best day was just under 200 and so what I would do is the the bills I would put in my bank account because, th- again, this is when it kind of started with being able to deposit cash and checks at banks or at ATMs uh, since I still had my my debit card. Fortunately, I was smart enough to put my my wallet in my front pocket, you know, so if I'm because I'm a kind of face down sleeper. So it's kind of 
face down, but on my side kind of. Mm -hmm. um, and so had my uh, wallet in my front pocket. So they weren't able to just fish it out real quick. Had that made my deposits every day. And so my change, the loose change is what I would use to buy food. And uh, some days I'd have, you know, 12 bucks and change. Other days I'd have, you know, dollar and change, right? <sighs> the worst part for me, or the, or the biggest uh, gut-wrenching part, was having to use the restroom outside. Because by that point, nobody wanted me inside their convenience store. I looked dirty. I smelled bad. Number one outside... Yeah, so for guys, it's not a big deal. You just go against a tree, whatever. But yeah. having to pop a squat behind a bush somewhere semi-kind of private, which is still difficult. I hear a lot of the people out here, they they are lucky enough to be able to go into like a casino or something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, that's why it's rare somebody even asked me for toilet paper. Hmm. It's weird. But yeah, because I've offered and, and yeah. people are like, no, no, I, I know where to go. I have a place. Like they all kind of have it figured out. But, some, I mean, casinos, we have a lot of more options here. Yeah. You probably didn't have anything no, like that. No, I mean, I mean, there it's all just shopping strips, uh, convenience stores, gas stations. Um, well, and on that note, I mean, when I was in Sacramento during 20 – in 2020, almost 2021, all the gas stations everywhere like that, they had no public restrooms. Mm -hmm. Everyone shut them down, not not for public use. Yeah. So, and I, I don't know if they're still like that or not or whatever, but I mean, depending on where you're at, yeah, there's no access. The gas stations, some had public restrooms, like the bigger ones, like the, the name brand type ones, but the ones that are smaller, Habibi, you know, whatever you want to call them, um, those, those are like no, no restroom for the public. Yeah. But even the ones that were bigger, you know, once I walked in, I mean, it was just like a cloud of just musk that would just follow me. You know, it was like big people pin. Just, yeah, people just turn and look and, and the look on their face, like, oh, fuck, it, it hurt because I remember giving that look to homeless people beforehand, you know, when I was, and now I'm getting it. I'm like, fuck, I can't believe I did this. And I was still new to it. I, I know there are people that are outside that they don't care anymore. Like there's some people that just, it doesn't bother them because yeah. they're, they're, either so used to it, they're desensitized, whatever. Like every, everyone's different when you're outside because, um, you know, everyone has a different reason that they're outside. Yeah. Uh, some it's, you know, drug addiction or chemical, uh, sorry, uh, alcoholism, uh, others, mental illness, and then others just hard times, you know, it's kind of like the three, as far as I know, the kind of three major categories, you yeah. know, you can get yeah. a little more granular with it, but for the most part, it's one of those three that put them outside. And, you know, the ones that have a hard time, you know, they still kind of move almost like inside people still. They, they still have their little sense of pride. They, they want to be well-groomed. They want to have cleanish clothes. They don't want to, you know, they still want to be presentable-ish for whatever reason. Uh, mental illness, they, I guess they don't care. They're just not there. Um, and then some of it could be caused by whatever drug or chemical addiction they have that they, they go off the deep end and then they snap and they don't come back down, whatever. But for the most part, it's either mental break addiction or, uh, kind of like my situation is hard times. So yeah, having to go outside and, you know, because Texas is so big. So like here in Reno, I mean, everything's kind of closest together. I can't think of a shopping strip that resembles Texas other than there's, there could be a, a Walmart in a parking lot. And then 
where a normal Walmart park where a normal Walmart parking lot ends, then there'll be maybe like a little tree line of of little islands, and then there's another parking area that has a shopping strip. So the closest one would be here in Reno, the one that's off of Kitsky and uh, Virginia or Kitsky and where like the the famous Dave's. Yeah. So imagine that shopping strip there, and then every shopping strip in Reno is like that. So to get from Famous Dave's to TJ Maxx, you're walking 10 minutes just across the parking lot, right? And then to get to the Walmart, it's still another five or 10 minutes just to get to there because everything's so spread out. There's so much room in Texas. And so the Valley is kind of like that as well. It's a little closer, but all the shopping strips are just enormous. There's so much room for parking. Like if you don't have a car, you're not going to get around. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard people say in Texas, like everything's an hour away. Like wherever you want to go, if you're going to go from one city to the next, like everything's super far. At least in the major cities and in the the valley, you can get across in a few minutes, but it's still, you're talking a few minutes in a car. And did you stay in the same area the entire time? I moved around. What's, what was like your radius? About four miles, four or five miles. So I went between uh, Donna, Far, Alamo. It's three little cities that are kind of together. So it's, you know, one exit past the other. And the cities are kind of like on a grid system still. Yeah. And so... Some grids or some blocks are bigger than others, but it's still kind of just all squares. Um, other than the, the newer subdivisions are kind of curved. But for the most part, as far as businesses go, I was trying to just kind of go back and forth and find a good spot. Because then I get run off, too, because there's some yeah. that have their spot. And, hey, this is my spot, blah, 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 blah. Oh, oh man. Like, and it's territorial, and I get it. Around here, a lot of people are really cool. Like, mm-hmm. they'll actually, like have like kind of time frames like you're gonna get a couple hours i'm gonna get a couple hours and everyone for the most part shares and then someone new comes around and they take over and they're like nah this is mine and um it doesn't work out well for them some of them were confrontational because they were mental illness so at least the the some of the spots that i was trying to go to they were like this is my spot all the time like i don't care even if i'm not here it's still my spot like there's that kind of possessiveness because there's what else do you have you know you you got you have to you have to hold on to something. You have to protect yeah. it. So that's kind of that thing. Like, hey, sorry, I'm new. I just got out here, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you're new, you need to go fuck over there. And da, 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 you know, and could kind of get the vibe that, hey, no, this person's unstable. Don't want to have any confrontation with them. And then there's others that I was able to have a conversation with that were also hard times. What's the worst thing that happened to you or worst thing that was given to you or the whatever? What was the worst when you were flying a sign? leftovers half-eaten stuff the first time i was kind of grossed out like the fuck is wrong with you like why would i want to eat something that has bite marks in it that's inside people stuff yeah i'm hungry and so then i'd kind of peel off whatever or eat from the other end and just get there and stop just because i was just like that's kind of gross to me at some point i didn't care like i just stopped caring right you know when you're inside like hey i don't like onions i don't like bell peppers i don't like this that and the other was there any like negative repercussions that happened anything that did you ever get sick or anything happen to you from eating people's leftovers no um i mean there are a couple times i got the runs but that probably happened just because eating unclean you know having hand, dirty hands or whatever but that that was probably the worst I, my immune system is you know, phenomenal. Like I should be studied because I only had pneumonia and basic and COVID. And even when I had COVID, I only suspect it was because someone was in my household. They called me a couple of days later, said, Hey, I got COVID. You mind if I get tested? But at the time it was early on. So to get tested, it would take forever to schedule it. And then you wouldn't get a result for like almost a week. But I just know that I had kind of flu-like symptoms for, for about an hour. Like, I'm gonna just take a nap. I was tired. Woke up. And then my ribs hurt for maybe a day. 
But other than that, I was fine. Well, and I think there's something to being outside a lot that really helps your immune system just be stronger. I mean, the more it's involved with, like out in the elements and the more it's exposed to, the stronger it gets. Oh, I, I believe that. But my immune system was like that even before. Like, so it was like, it was just yeah. Superman. Chicken pox, pneumonia, COVID in my entire life. That's it. Other than like breaking a collarbone, other than a motorcycle accidents. Now, I know. So basically, it's been less than a handful of times. Mm. Would your employers agree with that? I don't. I don't call out. No, I'm. I'm not. <laughs> I don't call out for anything, uh, unless it's a death in the family. I'm. I'm always there at work or my vacation. Like I don't. I. I'm not the person to call out. I've always been. Uh, whenever I hire on, I'm like, hey, look, I'm here. You're around. I only take vacation this week. I'm telling you right now. We work together, so. Oh yeah. See, that was a different story. That was me going to be me being an asshole and going fucking other women and like going visiting other girls back in the day. But I would tell him, hey, I need this time off. Like, no, you don't get it anymore. Like, I got the PTO. Why can't I get the time off? Oh, you can't get it. Like, okay, fine. Whatever. I don't need the time off. And then I just say someone died and, you know, they have to give it to me and they don't charge me. So that's. Don't dude. lie about people dying. Dude, my, my mom has died so many times. My mom, my dad, brothers I don't have, sisters I don't have, all kinds of people have died. So you life. don't have that, like, worry of karma where oh, yeah. you, you lied about your mom dying and then no. she actually. No, I mean, I have dead wife, dead mom, dead dad, dead brother, and that's it. So w- back to when now you're finally eating stuff, anything that anybody will give you. Yeah. But still, what was the worst thing that somebody did, said, gave you, threw at you? I don't know, whatever. Someone threw a bag of dog. I'm hoping it was dog shit i don't see an inside person shitting in a bag i'm not gonna lie when i was a kid dude there was that prank you know you light a bag on somebody's porch ring their doorbell and we did that to some friends i was a little shit but i mean that is one thing pranking friends or doing it to that one jerk that lives on your street i couldn't even do it to that bad guy in the neighborhood or whatever so i can't imagine where somebody would be at in their head to be able to throw a bag full of crap at someone standing on the side of the road. Um, You know, some little things started happening, so I had to be more vigilant because I was used to, okay, now I need to find a place where nobody's going to find me and or, you know, be able to steal off of me, right? So then there's a bunch of things that shifted on how I I move and do things around in general because for the most part, I was still um, kind of inside mentality. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm safe out here. I'm a guy. No one's going to hurt me, but... There are people out there that either have it against homeless or there's people out there that they're in that predator survivor mode. Because when you're out there, you have to be a predator. Like There's not this you can trust people to be civil. I mean, for the most part, we're civil to each other, but you never know when someone could snap. You never know yeah. when something's going to happen. You never know when someone's going to just come by and want to start or do something no I, i've heard of people being in their tents and having people come up on them baseball bats everything mm-hmm. while they're sleeping in their tent mm-hmm. um and there are there are other homeless people mm-hmm. there's crews that go out there and just steal whatever they can so yeah, yeah i mean then it, it that definitely changes your attitude toward people right i mean at some point do you get a little bit more standoffish and just less friendly i mean you have to being there because i saw mostly good because and this is this is what really changed my view on on homeless um what was it um it was before i was starting to get decent amount of money because like i said i'd fly a sign for a little bit get a couple of bucks and then someone would run me off because that's their spot right so i finally able to find a spot before i found that spot i was like look man 
if this is your spot, fine. I don't even care about money. Do you know where I can get some food? Do you know a, a food bank or whatever? And he's like, oh, you're hungry. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm trying to get home to use. I kind of gave him a, a rundown of what was going on. Like, oh, man. Okay. And I'm like, all right, okay, what? And he goes, I'll be right back. And he fucking scurries off. And I'm like, so I follow him. So I start following him. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, no, come on, come on, come on. So he follows me because he was just kind of like scatterbrained kind of whatever. Yeah. Um, so I follow him and we go back to his little camp. And we would no way right here because it kind of like in um, little, not even forested area. It was just kind of a lot of bushes and random trees. Um, he goes, okay, you're right, right here. All right. He didn't want me to see a spot. He didn't want me to see whatever. So I just kind of stay at his entrance. Uh, he goes in. He comes back four or five minutes later. And, uh, oh, hang on. I'll be right back. So he came back. He gave me a can of food. And he goes back, gets his can opener and opens it up for me. And, you know, started digging in, eating some cold, um, I don't even know what it was. It was... It wasn't SpaghettiOs. It wasn't something like that. It was kind of like, uh, I think it was a Dentimore beef stew or some type of beef soup thing, right? Because yeah. there was chunks of beef in there. Something that was fully cooked. Yeah. Just and just started eating it. And man, I fucking inhaled it. I, I feel like one, two, three, and I was done. But I just was, was starving. I, my fingers, yeah. yeah. Dirty ass fingers. Uh, I know I had um, dirt under my nails. And oh, man. Like I've always had an, a thing where I hate with the, where I can see the white of my nails. I just, for me, it feels dirty. Even before I was outside, for yeah. me, having long nails is dirty. Um, and so at that point, I didn't care. Just ate, right? Uh, and so with talking with him, he introduced me to some other guys. They were like, "Okay, you know, you're, you're, you're not out here to hurt because I'm a big guy. So I'm six one, and so the area is full of Mexican people." Or Mexicans or Mexican Americans. I'm the same. I just different genetics, whatever. I'm taller than average, and most of them they're five six. So automatically, I'm seen as a threat that I'm there to to either roll someone or hurt someone, or I'm probably an enforcer for somebody. Because some of these these gang crews, um, you know, they're in that predator mode, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of like The Walking Dead, how different um, clans or whatever it is they were. Some work with each other and have a community. Others are just rape and pillage and get whatever we can and, you know, just all kinds of mixes. So uh, fortunately, I didn't see too much of the bad. Yeah, I almost got my uh, boots stolen. I got my clothes stolen. Um, I got hit with baseball bat or baseballs or softballs, whatever, you know, random things. And at some point, did you kind of like join up with a crew or like make some friends? Yeah, I did. There was this guy... Um, his uh, parents passed away, and he his parents never taught him much about anything. They just let him stay at home with them. Uh, his parents it left them the house, but they didn't. I think they didn't pay the taxes or whatever. But essentially, the house was going to get repossessed by the county because taxes weren't paid, um, and he didn't pay utilities, he didn't pay anything. So it was just a shell of a house because people would come in there and make a mess. And what he did, it was kind of hostile-ish where. Uh, you either bring two cans of food or five bucks a day and you can stay there. But if you didn't have either and you were, you know, kind of like uh, allowed in the group to come by, then your job will be helping clean up, like clean up the camp. You either cook or... But everybody pitches in. When people have their camps, their tent or their bedroll or whatever, it might be a mess, like just random shit all over the place. Like it looks like someone just got a trash bag and just dumped it on the ground. But... And everything else they do, everyone's real kind of tidy, like real, you know, real 
not super organized, not OCD, but they, they, they don't want to make a mess of things. And I think it's more of to just stay invisible, to not be seen. Like they'll have their mess, but it's behind a tree, behind a bunch of bushes, so you can't see it from the street. But from from uh, the street to where they're at, they don't toss trash, they don't leave a mess, like they keep it tidy and clean, I guess to be a little more invisible, to not be seen, so that nobody finds them. Because I think it's more of keeping other homeless, finding them to you know, steal their shit because, you know, you got to go fly a sign, but you also want your shit stolen. So it's kind of like A or B, you know, stay in here, protect my stuff or go out. So that's where the campmates kind of work out together where someone stays and watches and, you know. I see that a lot. Like I ask people, where's all your stuff? And they're like, oh, it's at my camp. It's safe. Don't worry about it. Um, like, well, you know, uh, I can go with you or, or, or maybe I get them a room or whatever, but that's always something I ask too. Is like, all oh, your stuff going to be okay. Do you have everything you need? You know, um, so, I, yeah, I see that. And then there's those people here or there that have, like, this awesome camp that no one knows about that's super secluded, and they've been rocking it for a long time. And they're just, like, they're on their own, doing their own thing. But it, that's it's always one or the and other. Yeah, the ones that are on their own, they're kind of, like, they're real. Not standoffish, they're real. They don't let a lot of people in. No. You know, they won't even let you know where their entrance is. You know, they'll, they're like, oh, I'm going to go back to my place, and they'll they'll do a... I'll call it SDR. It's a surveillance detection route. It's a, a military uh, espionage thing where, um, you know, you do three rights to make sure no one's following you. But it's harder to do that because, you know, when you're walking around, people can watch you from a distance yeah. and see where you're at. So then it, it's tougher in that sense. And I don't know how they know how to do it or, you know, watch out for that. But, you know, those guys are, are really good about keeping their stuff hidden. Um, and, and it kind of goes back to this um because talking in and out it's i guess hard for someone that's never been outside to understand yeah and uh and especially like people say oh well if they're they're making money they're doing this or doing that you know if they can afford uh beer or alcohol or drugs or cigarettes you know then why don't they come back inside but it's it's hard um you know, because you get so used to being outside, you get so jaded, you, you have a resentment towards people. Because I had a, I had a, when I was outside flying a sign, I would, at first it was this pain, sadness, anger at myself for looking down at homeless people. And then I was like, how dare they look down on me? You know, like if I had a job, I'm pretty sure I'd make more money than most of the people there. Um, you know, a decent electrician makes more than a manager at a Walmart or, you know, a fast food place, you know? Yeah. Um, but, and that's kind of like the, the blue collar economy or um, minimum skill set, wages, jobs that are down there. And so I had this attitude, how dare you look down on me? I make more money than you. If I had a job, you know, I'd look down on you. So why are you looking at, and it was just this, this, in, this um, indignation towards everyone just being angry that, you know, they're, they're seeing me as less than. And so that could turn into something darker or worse. I think if I was out in the streets for, you know, more than just those four months. Um, and, and it reminds me of a story. So the first time I really dealt with a homeless person, uh, cause you know, you'd see someone either, I either give them some cash and just to get them out of my way or, um, just ignore them, yeah. you know, pre 2010. Uh, there's this one guy when I first started off as an electrician. Uh, so Houston has a lot of mega churches. 
and I was with my journeyman. We're off of I-10 near the Second Baptist Church. And this is kind of where I found out that, you know, guys have their territory, at least in Houston. If they have a spot, their spot is theirs 24-7. You can't go in there. Um, <clears throat> unless you leave it vacant, then someone will come in and take it. Uh, this guy comes up to us, and um, I see him like, God damn, he's fucking homeless guy, and he's going to ask us for money. So trying to look away and not pay attention and not look in his direction because, you know, he's going to fucking ask, and, you know, until you, you run into him. And he goes, hey, hey, I'm not going to ask you for money. I got money. Just, uh, you know, that motherfucker in there, and he called him other words, but you know, that motherfucker in there won't let me in. So just I, I, all I need is a, uh, a Diet Coke, 20 ounce, and a Snickers. He pulls out a 20 and hands it to us. And we're like, the fuck? This guy got a $20 bill. Hands us a 20. Like, Get yourself whatever you want. Here you go. So <laughs> Take care of yourself, too. What the fuck is going on? And, you know, my journeyman's with me, and he's like, just come in and fuck it, whatever. And I'm I'm thinking, man, are we on Punked or, you know, I think Punked was out by then. But whatever TV shows, like you're getting, you know, gagged or whatever, yeah. you know, tricked. And so we go in there, we get him his his drink and his Snickers. Um, my journeyman paid for it. He didn't he didn't use the guy's 20. He paid for it out of his own pocket. Uh, he got his stuff. I got my stuff. We paid for our own. Yeah. And uh, went out, gave the guy his, uh, his, you know, soda and his Snickers and gave him his $20 back. And he's like... I told you to, you could get whatever you wanted. I got money. He digs in his pocket. He fucking has time pulling it out. Pulls out just a, a knot of bills. Um, and I got money. Told you. He fucking gives me a 20. Gives my boss a 20. Puts the money back in. Like, just that motherfucker in there won't let me. Did he like, smell? He wasn't terrible, but he smelled. Like, it, it was noticeable. And this was when, also about the time when I started losing my sense of smell. Um, so I caught a whiff of it and I was like, well, he's a little ripe, but not terrible. And were his clothes real tattered? Did he look really, I mean, was it a hundred percent obvious? He was obviously homeless, just kind of, you know, dingy, dirty. He wasn't, it wasn't like he rolled around in mud. It just looked like he got under a car, changed oil and got back out. Like it wasn't terrible, just kind of a little bit of grease here and there, a little bit of dirt. But, um, you would only tell if you got up close to him, how dirty his clothes was. But you could also tell from a distance that he was homeless. He just messed up hair, dirt, stuff all over his face. Yeah. Um, and so we're like, the fuck? How do you have this knot of clothes, knot of money, knot of cash? And what the fuck is going on? And he goes, I, I just, I can't do it. What the fuck are you being kidding? Yeah, I, I can't, I can't be indoors anymore. I can't be inside anymore. I can't do it. It's like, why'd you make all that money? And he explains that, you know, he's there at that, uh, Second Baptist Church exit. So he had a whole bunch of money. A couple hundred, easy. Even if it was just ones, it was a couple hundred bucks. In his, in his, uh, or maybe at least a hundred. Yeah. But uh, he's like, yeah, no. I sit up here um, by the freeway and Sunday morning. So that mega church had multiple services. So, so at least five services on Sundays, right? He said he would stand out there and he said, the hard one is the first one. But once I get one person to give me money, just about every car that comes by just gives him money, right? couple bucks or whatever. And so he's got five services to get from um, coming and going. Because usually when one's coming in, the other's leaving, other than the first and last one. So he's getting money left and right, hand over fist. He goes, yeah, I make two to $3,000 a week just working one day, just working working Sunday. Now that's not typical though. I mean, it I is not. Lot, I mean, I know a not. lot of people that are out there and, and there's a lot that don't 
they're not upfront with what they make, but then there's others. After I get to know them and build some trust, they're totally honest and you know they tell me, yeah, I made a hundred bucks, or oh, I today sucked, I made five, I got nothing today, you know, whatever it is. But thousands, that's yeah, that's rare. Again, it's a mega church in Houston, five services a day. You got people that are, I guess, feeling guilty about being rich because I mean it's it's in a well-to-do area of Houston. Um, and uh, and this is also back in 2005, 2006 ish, because I started I started out as an electrician in 2005, and I was still an apprentice. It was before I turned out. So between 05 and 07 is when this happened. But I want to say it was 05. And then did you ask him like, why don't you just go get a place? Yeah, I was like, well, why why don't you go back and say, why can't you get an apartment? You know, if you make it, if you're making this much, like shit, I would do like I thought at the time. Fuck, I'll stand out here for yeah, even for a thousand a week. Tax free, holding a sign. I can do that. Like my mind, I think, yeah, I can do that. No big deal. Um, he goes, I, I can't. I try to get a place. Somebody help me out, and I just can't be inside anymore. I can't do it. Like the fucking me can't be inside anymore. He's like, it's wrong. It's wrong being inside. And I, I didn't get it then. In Two thousand five made no sense to me. Not at all. Um, when I was in that camp. <clears throat> with the guy, or not the camp, but the house that the guy, um, his parents left him. You know, sitting there, shooting the shit. I mean, it was not the happiest, but it was it was very happy for me to be there with a couple of guys, shooting the shit, eating food straight out of the can, heated on a campfire, you know, straight out of there, having a conversation, being under the stars. Not worried about electronics, not worried about TV, not worried about who's on TV, not worried about celebrities, just being able to hang out there and exist and just be happy. You know, it was, yeah, there's other things to be angry and sad and worried and and frustrated about. But hanging out with those guys, having those meals, you know, that's when I understood I can't be back inside. Like, I wanted to be back inside. But I get his point of like just being here, being in this moment where his only concern is what he's going to eat, the next meal. That's as far as you have to worry when you're outside. That's your only concern. You mentioned that you were in, in a house with these guys. Was it an abandoned house or something you were saying? So it was technically abandoned. It was one of the guy's parents' house that he inherited. But because um, he didn't pay taxes it was or take care of the taxes or whatever, it was going to get um, – repossessed or whatever the county does whenever they um, evict people or take it because of back taxes. Um, so he was just wait. He knew it was going to happen at some point. He was just waiting for it to happen. Was it trash? Not really. It was just, uh, imagine a house, an abandoned house, no electricity, uh, no water. Furniture? There, there was, but it was like um, an old dresser, two tables, and then um, there was a bed frame, but no bed. Again. Were there neighbors? Uh, no, because this was kind of um, not secluded. It was just kind of like an older neighborhood where the nearest neighbor was uh, 200 feet away. There was a, a house on the corner that was an average house, but I think the guy was a truck driver because you'd see a, a tractor trailer there every maybe once a month. And then it was this guy's house and then another house that was there. But then from then on, like all the kids played on that side of the street because this was, um, 
it wasn't a dead end street, but it was kind of like a, a subdivision that didn't get finished. Like we were in that okay. back corner that was just kind of like you see where the road is cleared and where the cement ends or the concrete or the the road ends, asphalt ends, but then it's just dirt. And so it was it was just kind of weird. But it was kind of cool because if you just cut across his backyard, there's no fence, then you can get to um, in overpass and then on the other side it's a bunch of businesses so you just kind of kind of weave your way through and you can get back to start flying a sign real easily um but yeah the the, the thing that stuck with me is like i i don't mind this i don't mind being outside now because i have friends i have at least one meal a day you know coming to camp and worst case if i don't make any money i don't have to worry about it someone's going to bring in money bring in food to be able to share with everybody else. Some days we were only sharing three cans. Other days everybody had, you know, two cans each, you know, whatever we ended up getting. So I know I'm going to eat once a day. So that was covered. And that was like the biggest worry being out there, something to eat. Um, and so that moment or that, that evening is when I, it dawned on me, okay, I get what that guy means about not being able to go back in. Um, because, you get an apartment now you got to worry about utilities now you got to worry about neighbors now you got to worry about dogs either above or you know your neighbors above or below you making noise having to deal with people and having to have a job or having to prove that you have a job or you prove that you have income how to deal with the bank having to deal with cell phones i mean all these things that we have to deal with that we think is normal that we think is necessary to live it's not you know food and, and companionship food and friendship are the most important things i think crazy that like you know a lot of people don't understand um, but there's there's a lot of people out there that just don't want to come back inside i asked a guy that i was working with the other day i said guy that i was helping i said you know do you think after the first time that you had to go live outside that you became homeless um after that you know because he's he's been in and out of it and like after that first time was it easier was that like a backup plan in the back of your head like eh, if i have to i can do it i've already done it you know and, and then it just becomes easier and easier to a point eventually where it's like i just don't even want to go inside anymore this is fine this is life um i think that happens for a lot of people that have experienced this but for anyone who hasn't been outside it's just like you you can't there's no way it's just for somebody who's never had a car you know um, they don't understand like, well, why would I ever need one? You know, or, or then somebody who's always had it can't not have one. Same kind of concept, I guess. Yeah. Bike club, you know, you have all this shit to impress people I don't like for shit I don't need, you know, all this, all this stuff. You don't, you don't need a bunch of stuff to, it's nice to have a bunch of stuff, but you don't need stuff to be happy. Stuff no. Well, at some point, some point it like creates more problems having all these things to maintain or deal with and pay bills on. Mm -hmm. You know, I think nowadays the biggest thing for everybody is the phone, right? I mean, and even homeless people now, you can't do anything on the phone. You can't apply for a job. Uh, I mean, nobody anymore just has an application that you can fill out when you walk in. Yeah, it's 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 few and far between. Like, and they're still moving to online. Yeah, and then it's an application online that has all these different sections. Where was your last? Where do you live now? Where was your last house? What was your last job? All this stuff. And if you've been living outside for a while, you don't even have anything to put on there. So why would they look at your application over somebody who? fills all those boxes even if they're not going to show up for work or be a hard worker 
that's that's a frustrating thing that doesn't make sense like uh, i get the i9 and having to prove your identity and having to prove that you're uh, a legal u.s resident or, or citizen what i don't get is your id it expires right it could be expired by one day it's still you still the same person it just you didn't go to the dmv to get it renewed in time whatever you can't use it. You yeah. can't. You can't buy liquor. You can't. You know, buy cigarettes. You can't get a room. You can't get a job. Like it, it's, it's crazy that there's not even a grace period to to do that. And actually, that kind of happened to me recently. Um, <laughs> uh, at, at my new job, uh, my ID for my driver's license expired, but I always use my passport, uh, just because whenever you get a job, a passport or driver's license and social. And I don't like, you know, having to carry that around uh, or bring it with me because it can get lost. Again, you know, you can't laminate it so it can get torn releases, really piece of paper. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and people that live outside have to carry all of that stuff yeah. all the time. Um, but I never, I don't carry that stuff around. So anyway, yeah, you just use mm -hmm. your passport. And, oh, so yeah. So I use my passport and my passport expires. Your passport lasts for 10 years. And for whatever reason, I thought my driver's like, oh, yeah, I'm good till 2020 or whenever my last passport expired you know then you get the job and like hey uh you don't have a valid driver's license I'm like yeah i do I'm like yeah it's and i go check it I'm like oh it expired in 2018 i was like ooh, i probably should have taken care of this a little sooner oh, yeah. but i use my my i use my passport for everything i use it for flying and you know whatever um because from being outside i don't like people knowing where i live like i'm just i still have that not I call it healthy paranoia. It's not like, oh, the government's out to get me or I have some kind of conspiracy theory. I just prefer privacy in a mm -hmm. sense. Like I, I know I post stuff on Instagram and whatever, but I don't um, advertise it. I always go to this place all the time so you can find me and rob me or whatever. You know, it's yeah, just yeah. it's just a little cautious online. Um, and so my ID, I always get my ID renewed when I know I'm leaving. So... Yeah, sure. My ID has this address, but it's an address where I used to live at least one or two addresses before. Um, and then I figured out a hack where I can doctor a PDF. So then, oh, fuck it. I can make my bank account look like I live where I work. And so now my most recent ID is like two jobs ago's address. So <laughs> anyways, because you can tell them, hey, this is my address, but mail it to here. So my mailing address is different. Yeah. So I could have my address at maybe I, maybe I live at Tesla. Who knows? As far as Nevada knows my job is one electric Avenue, but it gets mailed to a PO box. So, um, anyways, uh, so yeah, my ID was expired. It's like, Ooh, shit, I need to take care of this. Uh, but it, it sucks because, you know, me as someone inside, I know I have to have a valid ID and I forgot to take care of it. Fortunately I had a passport, but if I didn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to have a job. Uh, I think by the time I made it to that house, um, because we, we didn't stay there. Like it was just, to sleep really uh yeah. to eat dinner and sleep uh but usually by like six or seven we'd be gone and out of the area cleaned up and everything <clears throat> so we'd be gone for the day but at least it was kind of like a home base which was which was good for me it helped me kind of like i guess recalibrate to want to come back in um and again like i was always depositing my cash and <laughs> right before um i came back inside one of the last times I made a deposit, because of course this adds more to my paranoia, like always being vigilant, is I saw some guys coming up behind me. And so instead of making the deposit, because usually when you do the deposit, um, it'll tell you how much you have available and then have um, 
what do you call it? Uh, your your balance, and then it, that screen stays on for a while. And do you want to print a receipt or it wasn't email? It was uh, something else, but whatever. And so, I what did I do? I didn't I didn't put in the wrong pin. Um, I just turned around and left because uh, most ATMs have like a little mirror, like a convex mirror by there, so you can see behind you. And I just had a weird vibe that just kind of like told me get out of here. And I ignored it for a second. But then when I saw in the mirror that there were some guys behind me, I just, you know, uh, canceled transaction, put my uh, card in my front pocket. And um, when I put my card in my pocket, I uh, fished out of my wallet. Because I always carry like a, uh, I don't have it on me, it's on the table. But I always carry like a little, it's not a billfold wallet. It's one of the where everything kind of slides in yeah. with an opening. Um and so what I did was I pulled out my debit card, pulled out the cash, uh, pulled out my ID because I'm very particular about how I put things in my pocket. So all I had in there was like a GameStop card, uh, an old debit card, uh, or a debit card that, um, what was wrong with it? Oh, there wasn't a bank there. So there wasn't, I think it was a Wells Fargo or Bank of America, whatever bank I had, uh, one of them wasn't down in the valley. So, or U.S. Bank, it's just some random thing. So anyways, uh, pulled those cards out and moved them so that they were back. So it looked like I had them there because uh, the ones I used the most were the front-facing ones. What was it? Whatever. I just rearranged. I rearranged my, I rearranged my wallet in my pocket so that way I had just had a feeling I was going to get mugged. Did you ever lose your wallet while you were outside? I made sure, like I said, it was always in my front pocket. And uh, I was always paranoid on it because I always would sit there and just have my hand on it, make sure like, okay, it's not coming out of my pocket. It's not. Yeah. Because, you know, that's where I was depositing money. If I lost that, someone could go on a spending spree and I'd have a phone to be able, or I had a phone, but by then the service was deactivated. How much had you saved up? I think I was up to like 1800 That's so. substantial. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're making average 50 a day and you're hustling every day and your only expense is the change that I use which was roughly five to 10 ish bucks, you know, in nickels, quarters, dimes, um, you know, you can save money. Cause I don't, I didn't have any, my addiction was sex. So it wasn't drinking. It wasn't alcohol. It wasn't cigarettes. It wasn't drugs. It was just sex. And so, um, me not being able to get laid was kind of pushed me to get out of being homeless because I'm like, you know, the, the women that are out here are not, not attractive. Not that it stopped me before, but by then I was like, I, I need to get laid. I need to do something about this. And, um, you know, most of the people that are homeless are males, 20s to 60s. Females, if they're under 20, they're they're out of the street quick. You know, there's somebody, hopefully someone helps them get off, but more than likely they either get trafficked or they get pimped out or they hook up with an older guy, you know, if they're 20, it might be a 30 year old guy that's kind of either using them or just protecting them. So they're either taking care of the girl or just using them one way or another. So the living standard that you really missed that you needed to get back in your life was the women that you wanted to get, not so much of, of being inside and having all the other nice things like that was probably comforting and nice, but the biggest motivator for you was being able to feed your addiction. Yeah, that that was that was the biggest motivator because coming back inside, um, I could have taken it or leave it, left it. You know, it wasn't a big deal for me because 
uh, as a kid, I'd spent my summers in Mexico. And one particular summer, uh, I stayed at my grandfather's ranch. And uh, that f- those first few days was kind of similar to uh, being homeless, is that there was no TV, no videos, no nothing. All there was was a radio, and the stove was, it wasn't even a stove. It was just a uh, tabletop that was basically, basically a raised campfire. It was a table that had uh, some bricks that you can put some, build a fire in, and then a grate that you put on top of that. That's how we cooked our food on my grandfather's ranch. Uh, the restroom was outdoors. It was just a couple of trees. It had like a, um, it wasn't even an outhouse. It was just an out uh, set of trees that you had a, uh, uh, not even a bench, a piece of, a plank of wood that you would sit on and just kind of like scoop back so you can drop your stuff. And, um, but that was okay for me because I had some privacy. The trees kind of blocked stuff out. It was a certain distance from the house and nobody could see. So that, or being homeless reminded me of that time being as a kid and it wasn't terrible. No. And for a lot of us, I think that like really enjoy camping and like, that's fun. We enjoy it. I feel like you could integrate easily somewhat like you have skills that you learned from camping that are going to play into living. And also I was in the army. So, you know, spending time outdoors wasn't a big deal either. It was part of my job. Yeah. Uh, At least once a month I was either out for a three day weekend or out for a week outdoors just you know roughing it which really wasn't roughing it because we had the cooks that would come and just kind of steam some stuff together and it rehydrate some food and then we had food that way so we had warm meals we had a cot we had stuff but it was still kind of I was kind of prepared throughout my life to be okay with being homeless but not okay with always being homeless or staying out there staying outside so you your goal was always to get back inside like even though you're kind of comfy you wanted to get back inside for a couple reasons. One yeah, of them... To get laid. I'm sure there's a lot of other dudes out there that could relate to that. That's not... Most dudes want to get laid. But my my addiction was bad. Some people end up getting in relationships out there, too. And that can be real toxic, depending on what the other person's dealing with and what's going on, too. It can also be really good. It could also make the difference, you know. And, and then some people get pregnant out there, too. And then you have to... You can't have a kid. Yeah, out in a tent. It's, it's, yeah, it's terrible out there. Uh, I hadn't, I didn't see anybody get pregnant out there again. Cause we, women are so few and far between that are, that are homeless. Um, yeah. if they are out there, they get off pretty quick. If they're attractive, let me, let me rephrase that. If they're attractive women, they get off the streets fairly quickly. Someone helps them out. Someone either uses them or whatever. If they're not attractive, then, they they still can survive, but usually they get paired up pretty quick with someone, just another male, mostly just to protect them. I imagine I'm not I don't know the whole situation, but more often than not, what I saw was you know a woman wanting a guy to protect them, or being codependent, and it was sometimes that that codependency can be toxic, and that's kind of like what we see sometimes, yeah. um, where you know they. They don't want them to be happy, but they don't want them to be apart. They want to be together and make each other's lives miserable because that's a drive for them. It's it's not healthy. It's not good for them, but it's just what they know, what they're used to. Um, fortunately for me, I didn't get tied down to anybody. It was just I wanted to get laid. So you'd saved up 1800 you said, right? Right about 1800, 1800. That That night that I almost got – or the night that I – technically got mugged like i knew it was coming so i just like i said i rearranged my wallet and so then when they told me give me your shit like i'm I'm reaching in my pocket don't do anything i just tossed it to them and ran like i and i didn't toss it to them 
So like the distance we are each other, I tossed it like at an angle because I knew it was going to run that way. So I wanted him to go towards the wallet. Did they have any weapons? Um, did I miss that part? I don't know. I didn't see because it was kind of dark at night. I just knew it was four guys. And uh, by that time, I was already down to, I don't know. I would lost a lot of weight. I want to say I was 180-ish. Normally, at that time, I was in the 220 to 230 range. And I just didn't really have a lot of energy. Like then it was just kind of, like I kind of went through my day. It was it wasn't a mental fog. It was just tired, like a lack of food, lack of energy. It was always just lack of energy because it was so fucking hot. So were you able to run away fast? Is or uh, were you like did I mean you were you got to safety? I, I sprinted away and then just kind of jogged and then looked behind me and saw they weren't chasing me. So then I just kind of stopped running. And you had all your essentials yeah. already. You you I mean that's pretty awesome that you were able to be you know intuitive enough to do what you needed to do there. Because that would be the difference for a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, if I lost that ID, if I lost that if that chase card, that chase card would have been the end of me. They're just would they, they still would have needed to know your pin, though. Uh, you probably could have used it as credit. And But the, the thing was is, well, let's just say, let's devil's advocate, let's say I did lose that, that chase card. Um, I didn't have cell service, so I couldn't call the bank. They wouldn't have let me inside the bank because I smelled so bad to tell them, hey, I need you to stop this credit card and if you and you would have lost your id so nobody would have and i I couldn't approve who i was i could tell him hey this is my social one two three four five six seven eight nine this is my date of birth blah 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 this is my id number i just need you to stop the card i would imagine that there would be so many roadblocks that's what a lot of people deal with that's all it takes if you can't get a job with an expired id how are you going to get anything to benefit you for your bank without being able to prove who you are and so fortunately um it wasn't intuition. It was just kind of um, instinct. Yeah, I guess instinct, intuition. I guess it kind of worked together. Um, but it, it was just kind of um, another aspect about my life that uh, I can get, I guess, premonitions, instincts, whatever, where I kind of envision something bad happening. And so I won't drive in that direction. Like, uh, I'll see an accident, I'll see a pile up, I'll see traffic, whatever, and I'll just uh, take a different route to avoid what I would have seen. And, you know, there's been a few times where it's played out to where I see the accident I envisioned um, coming back the other way. So I'll see stuff like that every now and again. So that premonition, that raised hackles, whatever it was that told me, hey, pay attention around you, that's when I saw those guys behind me in the little mirror. Um, so stuff like that's kind of happened throughout my life that something's warning me, protecting me, whatever. Yeah, and that day it was the difference. Yeah. I mean, it, it saved you pretty much. So from that point, how much longer did it take for you to work to getting back inside? I think it was about a week. Uh, it was two more days. I, I had in my mind to hit two thousand, and I figured, okay, I'm making roughly fifty a day. Um, I'll have that two hundred by next week. And then I'll get a bus ticket, and then I'll make enough to get a bus ticket and go back home to Houston, and I'll, I'll make it there. Um, but I think two days later, I made the two hundred bucks within two days. It was like fifty one day, one fifty the next. It was what I needed. Uh-huh. And then um, I stayed one more night, talked to all the guys, and said, "Hey, you know, I got enough money. I just I just need to get a bus ticket." And the way I phrased it, my dumbass, I um, I meant to say, "Hey, I have enough money." I'm going to work one more day to make a bus ticket is what I meant to say. But what, whatever I said is this, um, I have enough money saved up. I just need a bus ticket. And the way I said it, everybody just started pitching in. Like the guys in the camp, they pitched in 
roughly 10 bucks each. And I try to give it back to like, no, 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 no. I'm going to go fly a sign one more day and I'm out of here. I just want to let you know this might be the last day I see you guys because I'm good. Right. And they wouldn't let me take the money or give them the money back. And so, um, uh, a little emotional, uh, got the money, uh, took the money from them. And so the next day I got a bus ticket, got back home, uh, reached out to a cousin of mine. Cause that's the only one, or actually reached out to an aunt of mine. Cause she's the only phone number that I'd memorized or still mem- remembered. So called her, uh, told her I was back in town, gave, gave her a brief, really brief synopsis. Cause otherwise I'd have been on the phone for hours trying to explain and you know, where were yeah. you? So, um, went over eight, like a fucking King. Cause so, uh, she's, she's a Latina mom, Mexican mom. And so, you know, every time I go over, Hey, mijo, you hungry? You hungry? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. I just say it. I just say it. And she still feed me. Right. Mm-hmm. I went over there. Oh my God. I fucking this one time it you was, just kept it coming. Just kept eating. It was the, best, <laughs> the best food. Cause it was fresh made tortillas and everything. Um, and then passed out cause I was just so full and, um, so the next day when I woke up, cause it was late in the afternoon. Uh, so I woke up the next day, uh, talked to one of my cousins, talked about couch surfing. And eventually she just had me house it for her because she was buying a new house, but she was always out of town. So I house sat for her took care of some of the bills, was able to get a car, was able to get some basic tools, got back to work. And this is all with the money that you'd save. Cause it was only 50 bucks, 50 ish bucks to get a bus ticket from the Valley up to Houston. Got a shitty little $600 car, uh, paid my cousin, I think it was a hundred bucks to stay there. And then she just like, let me stay there for free uh, as long as I take care of the house. Um, so with that thousand, I was able to get some tools, get some work clothes, get some new work boots. Um, still had a couple hundred bucks left over. I think I had like two eighty ish, two ninety left over. So with that, um, Went to a used tire shop, made sure the new tire, all the tires I had were decent. I had to replace two of them and got a job, went back to work. Once I got my first paycheck, I drove back down to that house and uh, gave each of them a hundred bucks because it was just like this, you changed my life. It saved me. That's, that's awesome. It pissed me off that two of them would not take the money. I'm like, look, I'm back on my feet, man. I want to help you. Like, no, 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 no. You're not supposed to be out here anyways. We don't ever want to see you again. Like, I was like, fuck. And in that moment, it hurt because, you know, like, hey, these are my friends, but they meant it as you need to stay inside. Like you're, you're, I'm an inside person. I, I can survive. I know I can be out there again. I don't want to be. But that's because you're an inside person. I know I am. Um, You know, even now, like, you know, girlfriend will tell me, hey, you want to go camping? Nope. If I go camping, I'm glamping. I'm, you know, I'm, I want a RV. I want a cushy bed. Nope. Or hammock. I'm fine with hammocks. I actually like hammocks better, but. So living outside, was that part of what makes you now not want to go camping? So. Do you think it would remind you or have you done it ever since? So, <laughs> I've never gone camping other than basic training and then the military. Um, and then when I was outside, um, I never had a fascination for outdoors like oh yeah i'm gonna be outdoors and do this that and the other blah blah blah. on the flip side i do want to do homesteading so that's a little different but you know i'd be you know making my own food and taking care of my own place but still out of the house um, but sleeping outside sleeping on the floor is like the last thing i ever want to do again yeah. you know I'll, I'll sleep in a hammock fine with hammocks outdoors but sleeping 
on the floor, outside, ground, dirt, concrete, whatever. I never want to do it again. Ever. So. Well, you sounds like you're not going to have to. No. Um, now I, I live, you know, a lot more. I live differently, and I don't uh, put faith or trust in others as far as when money comes in. Because, like, uh, you know, I trusted that my ex-wife would take care of things like she was going to. And uh, I'd be fine. But uh, I'm glad it happened in a sense because it forced me to be different with my money. So before, you know, I'd, I'd made money and, you know, people in the trades, you know, we, you're, you potentially can make money hand over fist. Um, I know guys that are, you know, different types of trades. The only work uh, essentially from like Valentine's, or sorry, from Halloween till about Valentine's. That's, that's the most they work all year. Uh, because we get uh, per diem, we get overtime, working seven twelves, and that's when a lot of people pay even more because you know people are trying to disappear. Once uh, Thanksgiving comes, people just want to leave and go for the holidays. So these guys only work a few months out of the year, uh, take their RV wherever they're going, and then live off the money they made, and then live off of unemployment for the rest of the year. And they've mm-hmm. got home, a whole bunch of toys. They got an RV. They've got side by sides, motorcycles, plural trucks got an old truck a project truck they got a brand new truck that's lifted like most of these guys the oldest car you'll see in in one of these uh uh, job sites three years old oldest and like if you if you got a three-year-old car you're clearly an apprentice or you're starting out because otherwise you'd have a brand new car or the other side you'd have guys that have like you know 70s or 80s hot rods that are you know whatever nice stuff because they're they're used to just living that type of life and uh um, being that way, I'm like, you know, that for me, it's stupid. Like I see it now as, as stupid, just throwing money away because you can't take these things with you to the grave. And if you get hurt now, how are you going to make that money? How are you going to live that lifestyle? So for me, I live like I, I, I live as though I only make minimum wage. So anything I make above that goes to retirement, goes to savings, goes to investments, goes to different other things. So while I could fix up my hot rod that I want to fix up. I could have a newer car than a 2017. So five, five year old car, Yeah, yeah. you know, um, you know, I could have newer, nicer things cause I make enough to do it, but you know, I want to make sure that I never have to sleep outside again. Never want to do that again. Yeah. And so if it comes close to that, well, I got savings. I can rely on that, but I want to make sure that I have enough to take care of me for the next decade or so but even with the savings let's say like you know you're in a different area and you know you lose your car your car breaks down you then all of a sudden you get held up at, at an atm and they take all your stuff and you have no phone you have nothing i mean it wouldn't take a whole lot for anybody i, I mean in the right circumstance to all of a sudden go now what and yeah a weekend you're like i can't get a hold of anybody i can't do anything i don't remember anybody's phone numbers i don't have anything i even if I mail something to my address, you know, if you're in a different state or something, it could totally happen. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it, the more I've learned and the more I've, I've seen and how easy it's happened to a lot of people, it just, it's mind blowing what it would take, even if you do have a lot of savings. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I, mean, I know, I know there's a homeless person out there in a random city that has tons of money, could be worth half a million, yeah. could be sitting in a bank, could be an investment, could be in a 401k, could be in whatever. But he can't touch it because he can't prove who he is because, you know, he can't get his ID and or 
On top of that, he might have had a, a psychotic or schizophrenic break that he's been on the streets and, you know, someone hit him, hurt him in his head or, um, you know, trying to smoke dope to just escape because, you know, just the way people do drugs that are inside to not deal with life, yeah. you know, to have that escape. People still need that when you're outside. Just because you're outside doesn't mean, oh, well, he's outside. He doesn't deserve. Or as soon as they do, they're, they're an addict, and that's exactly why they're yeah. outside. That's, see, that's it. It could be. It could, it, it could be, possible. but it doesn't always mean that. I but, mean, I think a lot of that comes after the fact for most people, too. Yeah, they, they need to get away. and you know, Or even like video games. You know, how we play video games just to have a sense of escape. Just how we watch a movie to escape reality for a little bit. How we get stuck scrolling. Scrolling things. Yeah. That's, an, that's a form of escape. That's, an, that's a form of escape. And people that are outside homeless don't have many options. It's drugs, alcohol. Um, I mean, now some of them can get a phone, depending yeah. on uh, where you are. They can or get if a Nate's free ran phone. into them. <laughs> <laughs> right? But for the most part, they don't. there's not that many outlets. I mean, yeah. imagine just trying to be, turn off your phone for a day. Just, just you, listener, turn off your phone for a day. Go on a Sunday, on a weekend when you're not working or whatever your weekend is, because some of you might have weekday weekends, right? Where you're off during the week. Turn off your phone for a day and see how you can entertain yourself without drugs, without alcohol, without video games, without a phone, without electronics. See when you see when you start getting stir crazy, just sitting at home doing nothing. I bet if you try that too, a lot of your family members will be too hooked on their own getaways, their own phones, their own video games that they won't help entertain you either so entertain yourself try try entertaining yourself by yourself for 24 hours nothing no drawing no writing on paper nothing whatever you have in your pockets that isn't electronic that's all you have try that for 24 hours and then see if you can still judge a homeless person for wanting a cigarette for wanting a, a 40 for wanting whatever i don't i don't think anybody's gonna make it no Sorry. I know now it's like for me because now everything I do is on social media, like all of this. And um, I like I, I have to check my phone. I have to do something. I have to log in. I have to see what's going on. But but, but this is work. This is yeah. what I do. And at the same time, I do it. I treat it as work too. Like I rarely consume and just watch and scroll or do whatever. Most of the time it's to get on, get my things done, do what I need to do. I try to create more than I consume. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I mean, it, 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 there's, there's a balance there for everybody, you know. And consuming can be anything. I'm, my, my vice is coffee. I love my coffee. I'll, I'll say that any day and I wouldn't mind having a cup right now. <laughs> but that's all good. So you did everything you needed to. You were working again. You had a little car. You had all that stuff. And then you slowly just built everything back up to the point where you are today for, you know, to wrap it all up. Any other close calls in the past 10 years or any, any time where you're like, uh-oh, uh-oh, it's going to happen. Like I need to make a move now or this could be – I could be outside again. Uh, after my wife died. Was that depression? So that was that was a bunch of things. So um, I moved out here for Tesla to, to Reno. <clears throat> my wife was going to follow me out a couple months later. Like she was wrapping up stuff back home. And, and this was this your second, second wife? wife? This is my second wife, yeah. yeah. 
Um, I met her after I came to the realization that I was an intercourse addict, worked on myself, fixed myself. So now I don't have that uh, chase or drive to have sex to feel better. Now I know that if I need to feel better, I can talk about it. I can have conversation with friends. I can, you know, uh, do any other thing other than yeah. try to try to get laid to, to feel better. Exactly. Actually, no, I never scrolled. It was me just going out. I, I was, I'm better at picking up girls in person than oh, apps just, and stuff. But no, yeah, gotcha. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, whether it's content or whether gotcha. it's TV or yeah. find um, something to, to... Yeah, something better to do besides trying to get laid. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I realized that my value wasn't tied to that. And so with her, uh, when she passed away, like I snapped and I fell back into my bad habits. I hooked up with four women in less than 24 hours just to uh, be that uh, she and I uh, had a, a semi-poly relationship. So we bring other women to the relationship sometimes. And so a couple of them were women that we'd already been with, but I just picked up two new ones just to feel something because it, it, man, that losing my wife was the worst. Sorry, man. No, I know, and I know I've, I've we've talked about this yeah. before, but it's, yeah, it's going on six years now. It'll be six years this July. Um, but uh, yeah, we had a we had a great relationship. All of our friends saw this as that hashtag relationships goals couple mm-hmm. that they wanted to be. They they envied us because the way we were, um, and the way she made me feel was amazing. Like she made me feel like I could do anything. And so when she passed away, it was depression. It was me trying to avoid being an intercourse addict again to get over my feelings. And so then I started drinking. So like, I, so you know what? I'm not going to do drugs. Cause you know, uh, my entire life never touched any drug other than alcohol. If you consider that a drug. Uh, and even then it was just, you know, whenever I go out drinking, it's a couple here and there, not a, not a big drinker. And so didn't want to touch drugs. Cause that was just kind of a, a mental thing. I was like, you know, if you do drugs, you're weak and you can't handle life. So whatever. And then, so that's funny you say that because I feel like a lot of alcoholics out there think they're better than drug addicts, mm-hmm. and and it, an addict's an addict. Like yeah. it, and if anything, sometimes from what I've seen, people die more from alcoholism than they do from drug addiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially before fentanyl is around. Mm-hmm. Especially, um, it's just uh, whatever. It's yeah, crazy. no, it, it's and it's, it's it's funny because I had that same mentality. I was like, oh God, you know, you're what's wrong with you? You can't, you're not strong enough to say no to drinking or no to drugs. And here I was an intercourse addict, sex addict. Um, when I came to that realization, I was a little more open and, and less judgmental about other addictions. A lot of addicts do that and they judge and they think that their addiction's not as bad or they're in control or whatever it may be. And then, you know, you doing this, that, oh, you're, you're losing it. And it's interesting. Well, I didn't even realize I was an addict. I didn't see, I just thought I'm being a man. That's my job. I'm supposed to do this. Um, and so I had that disdain towards other addicts until I realized, oh shit, I am an addict. I need to reassess my life or whatever. But um, yeah, when my wife passed away, I said, you know what? I'm, I, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to run through women. I don't want to um, use them. Because at that point, I already realized that for me, sex is something for more for a relationship. So whether it's a, Friends with benefits that I want to keep for life because I don't like having random hookups. I'd rather have, if I'm a hookup with someone, it's because I want to keep hooking up with you in perpetuity. I mean, I want to have a monogamous relationship with you, this woman, but I'd rather have her where we could come back to each other down the road. Yeah. Just one to not increase my body count and another is just like, you know, I can appreciate one woman versus whatever. So you ended up having kind of a close call after losing your your second wife. Yeah. 
um, you know, drinking. Because then I said, you know what? I'm going to start drinking. And that was here in Reno. I was, uh, good thing I don't work at Tesla anymore. Um, I would get drunk. I would drink most of a fifth before I'd get on the shuttle to go to Tesla. And it was a fifth of gin. So that way it doesn't smell on your breath because gin is bitter as fuck. Um, And vodka, I guess people are used to that smell what vodka is but gin is so rare like gin is not a gin is not an alcohol you want to drink straight like it is is horrendous um but um i would drink that straight up just to fucking get drunk quick and i'd go to work and as my job was working with machines and making sure they ran and so the guys i worked with fortunately covered for me because they knew my wife had passed away and so they would just let me go hide in a corner till i sobered up a couple hours later and then i'd you know, carry them on my back for the rest of the night. And then, uh, when I got on that shuttle, I'd finish off that fifth that I had and I finished it. So that way, by the time I got home, I'd be drunk enough just to be able to fall asleep and repeated that. And eventually I just got tired of it. Cause I'm just putting headaches and hangovers on layaway, you know, and fuck, I was already in my thirties. That fucking sucks. It hurts, you know, getting drunk, it's not fun anymore. So, um, I started dealing with my issues, but it came close because, um, my wife had passed away. I just got back. I had to spend all my money on being back in San Antonio, taking care of stuff, packing the rest of the house, getting everything together, and then bringing it back. But I wasn't working. I was gone for three and a half weeks. So by the time I came back, I was dead broke. So I was like, you know, hustling and hurrying up to try to make money to be able to not end up on the streets again. Because, yeah, um, yeah I had savings, but... Uh, I needed a roommate because my roommate moved out because uh, they found a place. And so I was having to pay for an expensive apartment here in Reno because I got suckered out here. Told, oh, yeah, yeah 600 bucks, you'll get a nice little penthouse place. It's phenomenal, top of the line. But that was based on like 2014, 2015 prices in Reno. By the time I got here, the cheapest, decent uh, apartment was like 1300 bucks. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's yeah, it's stupid yeah, high, eighteen hundred or something like that. But uh, yeah, so then I was just scrambling, and that was that was a close call, uh, just because I I had it in my mind. I don't care what happens, I'm not going to touch my savings because don't want to don't want a slippery slope of oh I'm using the savings for this. Well, I already broke into it. I might as well uh, pay the penalty and get more out. So that way, you know, it's worth it. It's not yeah. you know twenty percent of what I'm taking out. It's only one percent of what I'm taking out. So. Uh, fortunately I was able to make it, got another roommate to just kind of buy me some time and then got out of there. And so, yeah, since then I'm a lot better. Cool. I mean, that's good. That's good. Uh, it's pretty, hearing your story, it's pretty amazing how you, you, you made it through, you made some friends along the way and, um, you know, you were lucky, fortunate to find that, that abandoned house and those friends and have that group, um, and, you know, I mean, save up that money or smart and, and you saved and that not everybody does that. Not everybody even has a bank account. A lot of the people I run into don't even have bank accounts. And I try to tell them you should get an account like, oh, if you get a job, make sure you get a bank account. But they'll keep the money on whatever the card is that the temp agency gives them mm-hmm. instead of getting a bank account. And they'll do that for months. Mm-hmm. And then something comes up and it's like, well, you you know, so. You still thought ahead. You still thought like an inside person the whole time you were outside. Like your friends told you that, you know, you're not meant for this. Um, what would you think if somebody like me approached you with a camera on and and offered to get you anything that you um, wanted that day? It's hard to say because, you know, we're, we're talking 10 years apart from 
social media and cameras and all the stuff that's there. But let's just say that night had gone bad for me, like that night that I didn't, uh, you know, think to put my my card back in my wallet or whatever. You know, so let's say I'd lost everything and I was still out on the street. Um, I was starting to get jaded too because of stuff that was going on. So at first, if if I had been approached that, that way, depending on my day, depending on my mood, it would either be someone's pranking me. Um, so I wouldn't believe you, you know, whatever you want, whatever. Um, or I'd probably go to the extreme, like, okay, uh, I want a car, I want uh, a big booty Latina, I want a big booty black chick, and I want a white girl, ginger. That's what I want. I want sex, I want food, I want Mr. Pibb. And, you know, I, I'd either gone to one extreme or the other. Like, I'd have been, you know, fuck you, you're, you're fucking with me. But at some point, like you say, if you lost your stuff, you think you would have been like, okay, no, seriously, though, I need this, that, 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 and just seen what happened. Maybe like I would have probably ratted, rattled off a bunch of crazy things you can't get me or I might have been just, OK, yeah, fine. I need X, Y and Z. I need, you know, a whole bunch of gear, a whole bunch of this, a whole bunch of that. Because at the same time, like I said, I had a little bit of indignation of like, how dare you look down on me? Right. And so then maybe seeing you might have inspired me. You know what? Fuck it. You know, someone out here is still nice. Let's see what he can get me. Let's see if he's being honest. Let's see if he's being real. Um, so I get like in some of your videos, some people just leave. Right, that they just like uh, he's not gonna come back. So instead of seeing the disappointment that you don't come back, I'm just gonna leave. So I don't have to see that. I don't have to be disappointed or let down again, because there's there's a lot of that. It's, if they've been out there for a while, they're gonna see a lot of um, frauds, phonies, uh, false promises, whatever. Do you think if like I did something like that with you, say I got you a bunch of stuff, mm -hmm. and then you know like social media was a thing, mm -hmm. and you were able to actually look at the video? And it was, you know, you, you thought it was something that was good and inspiring. And then you see other people out there all over the country that are leaving a bunch of positive comments and saying how awesome you seem and how much they believe that you could do anything and positivity. Do you think that would be inspiring? Do you think you would take that home to wherever you're staying and start going, man, I really do need to do something? It could in you know it's hard to say because you know hindsight and, yeah, yeah. and all the things hypotheticals it, and it just depends on how what point if i hit a breaking point because um you know like i said i'm I'm not an outside person. it sounds like you had a plan yeah and it was just a matter of time it wasn't yeah kind of a plan like i knew like i need to save up money like that was my plan i put all my dollars or my all my bills in the bank and change to eat that that was my plan like for now that's what i'm going to do um and I think eventually, yeah, you know, if I had gotten rolled that night, I'd had to figure out some other way to save up money to do that, to be able to get out. Because there's no really easy way, especially back then. Um, you know, Visa cards have a limit, you know, whatever. And you got to pay a fee for this, that, and the other. So if I had able to seen you come in and I hadn't hit a point to where I hate people, that I kept having that indignation of people looking down at me um, and find an even keel... I think I would have been more inclined to come back in with some help too because um, being offered the help and asking for help are two different things, mm -hmm. especially as a man. Like uh, most males uh, have a hard time asking for help. Yeah, doesn't matter what it is. I mean, unless it's like my bones sticking out like, hey, you know what? I need, can you give me a ride to the hospital? Uh, it kind of hurts a little bit, you know? Yeah. Guys, are, we're just like that. We're just programmed that way throughout our life to fucking yeah. figure it out, do it on our own. Um, 
because we know we can't rely on others. I can't tell you how many times I've been like holding a board and trying to screw it in with one hand and doing something awkward as hell while one of my friends or my brother standing right behind me. And it's like, I'm not asking them. And they're not offering. Oh, they're not offering. Or they are, and I'm like, no, no, I got it, I got it, I got it, I'm good, I'm good. And then finally, when you're like, this is gonna, this is gonna fail. Yeah. Then finally, after you yeah. keep, after dropping, you keep the dropping the drill, trying to hold yeah. it, or whatever. And then you ask for help. Exactly. And so imagine that, and so imagine how easy it is just to, hey, can you come hold this? And they're your family. Yeah. They're right there next to you. You could ask them for that. There's not. It doesn't put them out. They might give you shit because he's your brother. Like, oh, fine. Here I was on TikTok. I guess I'll go help you. Right. So imagine flipping that to where you're on the streets. You don't know who you can trust. You can ask whatever. So having to ask that, that's a huge leap to ask for help. But getting offered, oh, shit, if it's being thrown at me, I might as well say yes. Mm -hmm. So it's easier to accept it. But it doesn't mean it's easy to accept. Because even accepting help amplifies, magnifies, it shows that I couldn't do this on my own. It's still a pride thing. Like, fuck, you know. I'm trying to get off the street and here this guy comes to help me and motherfuck, God damn it. Da, 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 da. Um, and the closest thing I can relate to that is recently you helped this lady. Um, she was, oh, fuck, it's not Ann. That's sticking in my mind because that's the one that I saw today. The uh, one with the pizza? When I... Oh, you didn't want that much? No, I got... I... I got her pizza. So, so, okay, away. so two. There's one with the pizza, right? That one, I think that's more mental health, mental issues. There, yeah, I, right? I think there was something like that there. But there was sure. another one. She was, she was uh, sitting at like a little island by, a, I guess it was a light intersection. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And, um, you know, she she was worried about her hair because she had a little beanie on. And... A hair brush. Okay. It's okay. Don't be sorry. There's nothing wrong. Don't be sorry. Hairbrush. My hair's all... Okay. To anyone else who's seen that video, there was a hairbrush in the backpack I gave her. I'm, I don't think I show it. I showed it, but it was there. It was there. She got it. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, that, that, that embarrassment, I, I felt that because it, and oh man, it's, it's hard to explain because you're out, you're inside people. Um, and, and. It hurt. It, I felt it. I relived it. It was a lot that I felt there seeing that video in that, you know, you're having a genuine person wanting to help you. And it, you want to ask for a lot, but at the same time, you don't want to be disappointed again. Well, and all she really wanted was stuff to, to take back to her camp, mm -hmm. to share with everybody else, like you would have done in that abandoned house. And mm -hmm. it, it, it's because you know, you know you can trust them. Your campmates... They may not be a ride or die like a ride or die you want, but you know you can trust them more than you can trust everyone else. Everyone else, I don't know, but these guys, I trust them a lot more than yeah. the world, right? And so that emotion that she was conveying or saying, it felt like she was saying, I want things, but I don't trust that you're going to do them, but I hope you do. And it was like a whole paragraph that she was choking up with. Mm -hmm. um, and then just, you might see she's had to trust faith. You know, she went that way versus disappearing on you, you know? And yeah. Well, and that's when um, I, I could tell there was something going on there. 
And that's why before I went to buy all the stuff, I actually had to go back to my house to get backpacks because I didn't have any in my car. So I ran back to the house, grabbed the backpack and, and most of the things that she asked for that I knew I had. And then I went right back to that spot and I gave it to her to show her that like, I'm, I'm real. I'm, I'm, and she even said, she's like, oh, wow, you are real. So I wanted just to give you this pack to let you know that I'm, I'm real and legit. Um, that has pretty much everything in there. You are real. Oh my God, thank you. And then I built a little trust. So then I knew not only was she going to wait, but now I asked again, you know, are you sure that's all you need? And, and we went over the list and I don't think she added anything if I remember right. Um, just went back to what we started with and, and yeah, it was really cool. It's, it's cool to see people like to be able to show them that there's still good people and you can trust people and, and don't not to lose your faith in people. You know, I think that's really important. We need to, we need to have our faith in others. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that's a big thing for everybody that's out there and, and something that everyone can remember is is it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to rely on a fellow human. Um, we all do want to help each other. You know, whether we, you know, something tells us not to or whatever, we all have that that instinct or that feeling that, oh, I should, I should do this. I should help. Oh, but I can't. I'm busy right now. Or I have this going on. Or, or, or oh, they might steal from me they might hurt me or whatever but as long as you feel safe i feel like it's okay just to offer a little help here or there within your means yeah it, it sucks because what we mostly see in the world is not helping each other out you know we see countries divided i mean just on social media we if you're not the same political affiliation as me then you can unfriend me because you know clearly you're stupid and you don't deserve to live like that's Something that I used to push on my podcast is we're all human. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter my skin color, your skin color, whatever. You know, it doesn't matter how we were raised or whatever. We're still fucking human. Yeah. And, and I have a problem with that because, you know, me, whenever you ask me, what are you? I'm Texan. I'm not American. I'm Texan. Right. And I need to get away from that. I'm human. I, I keep every now and again, I'll say I'm human. But um, the, the point is we are all fucking human. We're all here together. Let's make each other's lives easier. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm not talking about money. Just be nice to someone. Yeah. It, it make, you know, being nice to someone makes their day easier, makes that easier for them to be nice to someone else. And we can make a snowball and just be better all around. One thing I like to say all the time, too, is like, you, you know, let's say as going to a restaurant as an example and your waiter waitress is not like being super cool. Uh, they're they're tense. They're like. You think they might be having a bad day. Well, instead of tipping them less and being frustrated with having bad service, maybe just take a second to ask them, how are you doing? Like, not just, hey, how are you? Like, no, really, what's going on with you today? How are you? Like, is everything cool? You know, um, introduce yourself. You know, just, just engage in a, in a good conversation with somebody. And that can be a that can make a big difference in people's lives. We don't do that enough anymore. It's funny you say that because I used to be service. I used to be a bartender. So usually when I come in, I like make sure I talk to my waiter or waitress. And, you know, most places they kind of give you their name. Like, so I make sure, hey, blah, blah, blah. It's your, did you say it's this? Or did you say Ashley? How do you spell it? Like just kind of a little bit of banter with them. For the most part for me, yeah, it's me flirting. But at the same time, mm -hmm. it's me trying to just make their day a little better. Like, yeah. hey, you know, flirting with them, make make them feel like they're still attractive to people even when they're at work, right? And they may not want that. Sure, whatever. That that could be creeperish. 
Some people might see that, might say that it's that. But on the other hand, I still check in with them. Like, hey, you know, you're right. You're in the weeds or whatever. It's just a term that, you know, they're fucking swamped, right? And just work with them. Let them know that I know what they're going through. Like, hey, take your time. You can come back to us later. Just bring us a refill and, and we're, we're good. Just, you know, catch up. Catch up on your side or catch up on what you got to do. You know, we're still here. We're, we're not going to, I'm not going to hold it against you that, you know, you're, you're late with the food. As long as the food shows up, I'm good. What would be your message to people out there as far as, you know, how they, how you went from looking down on people in tough, having hard times, homeless people, people living outside to a different perspective after being through it. And what would your be, what would your message be to everybody? Next time you see a homeless person, don't expect it to be a bad, bad situation or whatever. Um, and just imagine what if it was your parents, your child, your siblings, would you want, so would you treat them the same way? And that's helped me shift a lot of perspectives for myself as to getting into other people's heads and understanding, hey, maybe they're just having a bad day. Treat them as you would a family member. And so that's why I always end my podcast with, I love you. You are worthy of it. Don't forget that. Who we are. You know, I'm just me and you're just you. And, you know, that's all we need to be. And as a team, we can all make this world a better place. That's why I like to call it Team Just Us because, you know, we're together we can do a lot yeah. for sure well I think that's that's it for today thank you guys for tuning in and making all this possible plenty more episodes coming um, can't wait to share them with you guys I think maybe one thing we might want to do to end the episode though man is if, if you had to choose between a hug or a handshake which one would it be I want to fucking hug man let's do it man. Uh, I love you bro you too man